You are listening to the Field Ethos Podcast, the global hunt for adventure, bringing you stories and interviews from adventure seekers, hunters, anglers, and the outdoor-minded. This episode of the Field Ethos Podcast has been sponsored by Russell Moccasin. From its early beginning in 1898, Russell Moccasin has dedicated itself to providing hunters, outdoorsmen, and women with the finest handmade, custom-fitted moccasin-style boots and shoes available anywhere at any price. Their hand-built process means you can customize your boots from over 100 different leathers of the highest quality. From waterproof cowhide or bison to alligator and elephant and a variety of hues and colors, you can make it your own by choosing from one of more than two dozen different sole options. Check out Russell Moccasin's feature on fieldethos.com and learn more about why Russell Moccasin is the finest custom hunting boot and outdoor footwear maker in the world. A couple weeks ago, Jay and I went to the home of Colin Jones, number 42 for the Carolina Panthers. He is one of their co-captains. We were there with Colin and his other captain, Luke Keekley, who had just retired from the NFL. We sat down at Colin's kitchen. His wife was nice enough to let us come in and take over in their brand new, super fancy, beautiful kitchen. And we sat down and we talked everything from Luke retiring. He had just retired at age 28, which is kind of a big deal. Pretty early to walk away from the league. We talked hunting and a recent trip we took to Africa. What else did we talk about, Jay? We kind of went around the board. Uh, we talked some guns. Uh, we talked some of the plans uh, for upcoming hunts and a little bit about Colin's land spot there in the Midwest. And then some of the things that Luke wants to get up to now that he is uh, jobless himself with extra hands on extra time on his hands. He's, he's jobless. <laughs> he's not gainfully employed at 28 years old. He's basically, no, he won't have a problem. He's not living in his parents' basement or anything. Hey, what are you living in your parents' basement? What do you mean? Hey, no, no, but I did. I did when I was in between jobs for a minute or two. Coming you out might be coming and living in your basement. Davis, you came back from deployment as a Navy SEAL. You're allowed to live in a basement. As a matter of fact, you probably wanted to live in a basement for a little while when you got finished. I did. It was nice yeah. to kind of reconnect. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. Yeah. Well, don't be a baby about it. I mean, <laughs> so we sat down and we talked hunting. Uh, one of the things we talked about was a trip to Africa that we had been on. Davis, you were on that trip. Jay, you weren't on that trip, unfortunately. but. Davis, why don't you give me your your first impressions of Colin Jones and Luke Keekley? Yeah, sure. I got to meet Colin. I guess we we sat next to each other on the airplane heading over and kind of talked all things land, hunting, fishing. He's a big bow hunter, it sounded like, and was happy to to get into a little bit more of the rifle side and heading over to Africa. Everyone was obviously very excited. Uh, so it was great to spend some time with him. His father was sitting next to him. Great guy as well. Big Kev. Big Kev, as as you we're now lovingly referring to him. Yeah. Um, so good. To, one of the things that I noticed in the few, I don't know if you want to call them famous or professional 
people that I've met is they all seem to carry themselves accordingly. They're all very down to earth. They, you know, they don't want to deal with all the hype and BS, I guess, but very normal, very down to earth people, especially when she finds some common ground between hunting or, or what have you. Uh, and then Luke, Luke was sitting a little bit back from us. So I, I, we met at the airport and then didn't really get time to catch up with him until we were probably sitting down for breakfast before we stepped out on our first day of, of hunting over in Africa. And I think I vividly remember asking him if he would pass the, the tang or water or whatever we had across the table. And this hulking human being gets up, picks up the jug and, and walks it over to my side of the table, fills up my water glass and then sets it down next to me and uh, goes back and sits back down. So just an example of his, just how awesome yeah, <laughs> dude, they both are. Very selfless dude. And like you said, they're so normal. Uh, I think people look at those guys on TV and think that these just, because well, they're super athletes, so they're just different, but they're not. It's hard not to when you see them on, on Sunday or whenever and they're yeah. tearing someone's head off. But just to see that they're normal, average, everyday people, maybe not so average, but uh, everyday people. And it is really great to spend some time with them. But those were definitely my first first experiences or first kind of. So when Luke retired, a bunch of the people on uh, – a bunch of the players on his team were saying nice things about him in social media. I read where one of his players said he's the best guy I've ever met. Now, I don't know him obviously near as well, nearly as well as his his players, but I will say he is maybe the nicest guy I've ever met. Uh, just completely genuine. Colin is equally nice, but very very much a different type of person. Colin is more laid back, a little bit more freewheeling kind of person. Um, likes to cut up more stuff like that. Um, so Colin is a little older too, you know, he's he's a little been been in the league a little longer and kind of been around and done that. So Colin is a veteran on the team. He's a co-captain. He is, I believe he's been with the Panthers organization longer than any other player on the team right now. So they all look to Colin as kind of a leader, uh, which he definitely is. He's got that leader personality, People, you know, kind of gravitate towards Colin because he just, he's squared away, but also likes to have a good time, likes to, likes to talk to to people and enjoy getting to know people and stuff like that. So that's how I know those guys. Colin, I met first when a different fellow in the Panthers organization that's in um, the operation side of the organization, he introduced Colin and I when Colin was looking for a rifle for some long range shooting and Matt knew that I was already doing that. So Matt introduced Colin and I, and so Colin and I have been buddies ever since. And that's how I met Luke. Um, and as it turns out, that's how I met you, Davis was that's at right. long range we shooting met, school. We met through some long range shooting as well. Yeah. Which was really funny. I'll never forget Davis. When I knew that I would be friends with Davis was this guy that runs this shooting school. I won't mention his name, but he's super anal about, the facility. He's gotten yeah. better now that he's now that he's retiring out of the military. He's gotten a little bit more laid back, but this is a pretty funny story. So Davis, we or Jay, we uh were at this place and um this guy has his landscape crew come and cut everything and it's a massive long range shooting school, huge place. And these guys ride through and everything looks just incredible when they're done. But 
it wasn't up to this guy's standards, the guy that owned this place. So he gets on his his Polaris Ranger and he rides around with a handheld leaf blower and he's blowing blowing grass clippings out of gravel back into the uh, grass areas of the landscaping. So he's he's just really going through this place with a fine tooth comb and the area where you lay down the thousand yard range closest to the bunkhouse has this big gravel parking lot and then there's a concrete pad that you all lay down and shoot from prone and this guy had just gone through and he'd blown all the grass off the grass clippings off of that and there might have been one or two when his landscapers left but he had to just go blow those off so as soon as he pulled away davis walked down there and he set a single rock from the parking lot a little gravel piece of gravel <laughs> single piece of gravel <laughs> on that concrete pad and damn, if that guy didn't come back through and notice it and kick it off and kick it and off. I, and I did the whole week that just we were there, a couple of days we were there. I would, I would run around and place just one piece of gravel on one of his shooting pads. So, that yeah. He, and inevitably he'd find it and kick it off. But, he'd find it and kick it off. But Davis would be like, hey, check it out. I put another one out there. <laughs> and that had a little to do with, you know, it'd be him being an army guy, me being a Navy guy and stuff like that. So, yeah, but it was just funny to watch. There. We'd we'd stand there drinking beer and just hoping that he would catch it while we were out there looking. And he did once or twice. But the last day of the shooting school, when it was all over, I went over to Davis's rear view mirror and I set a pebble. I set one of those pieces of gravel on it just so I got Davis back one time. So he'd get in that seat and realize that. And I think I noticed that pretty quick too. No, you didn't. You probably drove all the way back to Atlanta with it on there. Yeah, not a chance. <laughs> well, so that's how uh, that's how we know each other. Me, Davis, Colin, Luke, all started with some long range shooting. And so we, before we went over to Africa, me, Colin, and Luke sat down and went through their gear, went through their rifles, mounted some Leupold VX5s that Sean Skipper from Leupold sent those guys and sent me one actually, really good scope. I used just about everything. That was the first time I had gone back to using a Leupold scope since I was about 21 and um, got a chance to get reacquainted with Leupold optics, which I love. And and Colin and Luke were kind of adamant that that's the scope that they were going to use just because those guys just like to stick with what they use and they've always used those. So we mounted those up and went over to Africa and had a really good hunt. I think everybody had a fantastic time and we all came back better buddies than when we left. And Davis, you made a bunch of new friends over there. I knew everybody on that trip already uh, with the exception of Luke's mom and dad. Luke, Luke brought his uh, mom, his dad, his wonderful girlfriend, Shannon, who was really nice. And he brought his brother, John and, his brother Henry, who were both really great fellows as well. And yeah, so we came back with a whole new group of friends, didn't we? Do? A cast of characters, as you'd call it. Yeah, absolutely. It was a lot of fun on that trip. So we went, Jay and I, the other day, just sat down and um, shot the breeze with Colin and Luke, talked some hunting and what their plans were during the off season. Obviously, Luke is, is um, in a transition stage right now. Um, and Colin is very much a hunting fanatic. So any chance Colin's not playing football, he's either hanging out with his wife and his son, or he is planning a hunt or going on a hunt or calling to talk about hunting. And so both these guys are just in hunting obsession mode right now. Wouldn't you say Jay, that they're just, 
that came across sitting there in Colin's kitchen. That's all those guys are thinking about right now. They're definitely driven by it for sure. Yeah. So Luke's got plenty of time um, to figure out what he's going to do next. I have a pretty good idea what he's going to be doing. So he may, uh, he may, you know, have to work around that for hunting season for a year or two. But after that, I think you'll see that guy just tearing it up in the field. Like he's just a full-time hunter. Colin, you I know, think he's a pretty big fisherman too, though, right? He, he is. Yeah. A lot of fly stuff. And he likes to fish fishing. for sure. I think if you, if you asked him which one he liked more, he'd, he'd say hunting and specifically right now, bow hunting. He's really into the bow hunting thing right now. Colin's been into bow hunting for a long time. And I think Colin has kind of walked Luke through that, um, that style of hunting. Colin's been a bow hunter for a while. I think they're both super focused on bow hunting right now because they both just flubbed it during uh, deer season with their bows this year. They had they didn't have any opportunities at their place in South Carolina. Then they went out to Texas, and I think both of them had uh, some frustrating stuff happen in Texas. But that that reveals itself on the podcast. So that's what we were there to do. We had a great talk with those guys. Looking forward to talking with them again soon. And I think Colin, Luke, and I are in the process of planning a hunt for the off season. So. Hopefully we'll be uh, bringing some Recording that as well. back. Yeah, we'll, we'll record some of that and maybe do another podcast. We'll certainly be doing an article on it. And um, I think Colin especially will be a regular fixture in the field ethos world. He's just gung-ho about hunting. And he's an old man in the league, so I don't think you're going to see him playing for a whole lot longer. Be full-time hunting after that. <laughs> so that's that. So enjoy the podcast. So it is February uh, 19th, and we are sitting down with Colin Jones and Luke Keekley uh, to talk about hunting. And we are in Colin's kitchen uh, with things screwed all over to his kitchen table. Um, so uh, without further ado, um, I'd like to go ahead and introduce uh, Colin Jones, Luke Keekley, um, both Carolina Panthers, um, uh, veteran football players. Um, so why don't you say hello, Colin, uh, talk about um, how old you are, where you live, what position you play, and uh, where you're from. Thanks, Jason. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, I am... 32 years old from uh, Bridgeport, Texas, small town about an hour northwest of the Dallas-Fort Worth area. I've been with the uh, Panthers for eight years, uh, nine total in the NFL, started with the 49ers, and um, yeah, just glad to be here. Cool. Luke, uh, go ahead and introduce yourself if you don't mind. Hi guys, it's Luke. Um, I'm 28. I played eight years with the Panthers, and I played... Uh, inside linebacker, and I'm from Cincinnati, Ohio. So, um, like Colin said, I'm happy to be here, and should be fun. Cool. Um, so we are uh, coming kind of right off the heels of your retirement. So one thing uh, I wanted to ask you a very serious question um, about your retirement, uh, but I know you trust me, so you don't. I know you don't mind me getting to the heart of this thing. Um, so with that being said. Now that you're retired, are you making it to all the restaurants for the early bird special? Oh my gosh, you're trying to say that I'm super old, aren't you? Yes, yes. No, not yet. I mean, I've been traveling around a little bit. I've been making some food at my house. I think the key word is making. I don't know if it's cooking quite yet, but um, 
it's been interesting. It's been a good transition. Honestly, right now it feels like any other off season. Yeah. You know, this is what I'd be doing at this point in the season anyways. Usually I take a couple weeks after the season, just kind of relax and hang out. And that's kind of where I'm, where I'm at right now. But I think as things progress, it'll start to, to feel a little bit more real as, uh, as we go on. Yeah. As season gets closer. All right. Um, second retirement question. Have you joined a neighborhood book club? No, but okay. that's one thing that I need to start doing more <laughs> is reading. It's been on my list of things to do. And now that I actually have some time, I, I can probably sit down, but no, no neighborhood book club for me. I'm not, I'm not in the old person's home yet. Okay. So we'll skip the, uh, gardening club, no gardening club. Um, perfect. Um, so, uh, in all seriousness, um, you know, I know you're, uh, taking some time off, uh, to figure out what you're going to do next. And when we've talked about that, it seems like, um, hunting is kind of at the forefront of things you're looking at right now. You have some time to plan hunts, look at hunts. Um, so we'll get into some of that. Um, I know that, uh, Colin has been itching to get back out on a hunt. You guys just came back from Texas together. Um, and things didn't quite go, uh, as you would have hoped. Um, so I know you guys are planning another hunt, but Colin, why don't you tell us about this most recent hunt in Texas and, uh, why you guys kind of need a do over. Yeah. You know, anytime you hunt in, uh, in January or February, it's tough. Um, just being at the end of the season, all the animals have been hunted all year long, pretty hard. And especially doing the bow hunting thing we were doing in Texas, which we both love to do. It just makes it really difficult. And, um, we went down there, had a great hunt with our, uh, our friends, uh, Christian Outdoor Alliance, and they put us on a couple of good deer and, uh, we just didn't have the best luck with executing, (laughs) (laughs) but, uh, got a javelina. Yeah. So I know when I talked to Luke earlier, seemed like you guys both kind of had, um, similar issues, so to speak. He had a deer jump the string, um, and he went high on his shot. Uh, you thought that your deer might drop a little bit. So you aimed low and the deer didn't drop. So the arrow, you, did you miss that deer? No, I didn't miss it. We followed a pretty good blood trail for a while and then it just Just stopped. Unrecovered. So pretty sure I just hit a little low. Yeah. It just happens. That's, that's bow hunting for you. Um, so Luke said he was, uh, kind of mad at his bow right now and he had put it in the closet. But, uh, I know we were talking just a little while ago and it said, he said that he was ready to get it back out. And well, I sold mine, so you sold you, got, you did. You traded it. You traded it for a new bow. What bow did you just get? I just got the Matthews VXR. VXR. So I'm pretty excited about that. I, everybody I've talked to, it's the best bow they've ever shot. I shot it a few times at the shop, and it just seemed phenomenal. What's different about that than the um, Triax that you had? Um, I had the Verdix. Verdix. I'm and, sorry. Yeah. Uh, it. Uh, I think this this bow just feels a little more balanced. Yeah. And uh, really, really quiet and smooth. Yeah. Uh, Verdix is phenomenal as well, but I think the VXR, they, they found a few things they can make a little better and they did so. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, I have that, um, Verdix that's just been sitting without, uh, getting a sight on it. So I'm going to, when yours comes in, I'm going to meet you at the, uh, at the pro shop and get all that dialed in Luke. Um, so we were talking at lunch and you've got a little time, um, uh, open right now. Um, and we were talking about, just getting back out to hunt something, uh, kind of get you back in the field after a tough bow season. 
Um, so what do you kind of have on your radar for things you want to hunt right now just to get you back in, back in the swing of things? Well, Colin and I are in a lease down in South Carolina about an hour from here. And, um, you know, we hunted down there during deer season. We ran cameras all year. And, you know, the one thing that we saw a bunch of in certain areas were turkeys. And I grew up doing that a lot in Kentucky with my dad and my brothers. And then once I got down here, you kind of get busy during the off season program, which starts for us in April. And then, um, you know, you're working out prior to that. So then you got to find a time to, to make turkey season work. So this year in March, I think it rolls around here pretty soon. Um, we're going to have a chance to get out there and, and, you know, check around for turkeys. We've got, I've got a couple spots that I have circled where when we went in and hunted turkey last year, we saw them. And then this year, like I said, on the deer cameras, we've seen, we've seen a bunch of big groups of them and, and hopefully this year we can get out there and get something. Are you going to try to bow hunt for a bird? No, not yet. I still, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm still looking for one with my shotgun down here. We've, we got a couple in Kentucky when I was younger. Um, but I'd like to get one of my own this time with the shotgun. And then once we get one with the shotgun, we can cross it off the list and then, and then hunt for one with the bow. Yeah. That's kind of, uh, I've always thought that was, um, kind of a next level, uh, feather in your cap when you get a turkey with a bow my buddy's dad used to do it every year when i was growing up and i just always thought it was probably the hardest hunt you could do uh in south carolina as a as a archery turkey i know how fanatical you guys both are uh about hunting so colin um if you had to break it down in a percentage what percentage of time do you spend thinking about hunting versus thinking about football is that a tough is question? On, is this on the record or off? <laughs> Depends what, what time of the year. Yeah. Of the year. Um, I mean, I, I love, obviously, f- football is uh, what I do for a living, and I definitely devote a lot of time to that, but my mind is on hunting a lot, and it tends to, the longer I go without getting to hunt, the more I think about it. Yeah. So the closer I get to the end of the season, the more excited I get. Our season's a little different because we – Although we do have that lease in South Carolina, it's minimal where we get to use it, maybe once every few weeks or so. So January, when our season ends, if we don't make the playoffs, that's when we really get to hunt. So the closer you get to that, the more excited you get. And then you've had about three months of buildup, and uh, it's it's pretty exciting. And we, I really enjoy shooting in the backyard and putting the time in during the season because that's something I can do in an evening after practice. And letting that kind of tide me over until I can get out in a tree stand. Yeah. Um, I will say, uh, we've been friends now for a couple of years and I've had more than one conversation with you where you've still been in the locker room, but you're calling about a hunt and talking about hunting while you're still, you know, getting ready to leave practice or whatever else. So I know that, that, um, you take hunting about as seriously as anybody else. I know you just haven't gotten the the time to do it the last decade. Um, Luke, what about you? I mean, are, are you, would you say that you're, you're as obsessed with hunting as Colin? Cause it seems to me that you always are. Colin's a much better hunter, first of all. So I've learned a lot from him, but he's a lot older. Yeah, he's much older than me. He's a couple of years older than me. But, uh, the thing that's that Colin and I started doing like two years ago is as the season per, would progress, you, know, you get tired and um, you look for stuff to keep you going. And sometimes after meetings, we get down at meetings at like four fifteen, and Colin and I would both look at each other in the meeting and make eye contact. And then once the meeting would break, we would go into the other room and look up these different, um, these different outfitters that we'd been for deer. 
and we'd look up all the pictures of the deer that were being shot and <laughs> we'd start crossing them off whether well, there's one less deer for us there's one less deer <laughs> for us but that's what kind of got us through it that and there was a uh, a tv show is heartland, heartland bow hunter yeah and then um real trees also got a uh a show that they have where they film hunts and then they'll put them out and whenever we travel on the road you know obviously you spend quite a bit of time on a plane and I know that Colin, Colin would sit right next to me on the plane and we would both watch this Heartland Bow series and it's like it's like the closest thing we could get to going and hunting for big deer because the deer in South Carolina aren't aren't real big um, versus the deer that these guys were hunting for a lot of Midwest deer, some Texas deer. These guys have been all over the place and just to follow them and watch them and watch them go on their hunts, it kind of gave you a little bit of like, all right, man, that's going to be us one of these days. But uh, <laughs> it was good. You know, we all loved, I loved playing football and it was awesome. And it, unfortunately it coincides with the deer season, but um, you know, you do, you do think about quite a bit. Yeah. Um, so um, I know that we talked about uh, uh, hunting quite a bit um, at lunch today um, and you have some time coming up uh, over the next year to uh, maybe take some, take some hunts that you didn't really have time for uh, before. Um, so in the next year, if you could take any hunt, uh, what would it be? I think Midwest whitetail. Midwest whitetail. Yeah. Yeah. How about you, Colin? Um, have I'll, you taken a deer at your place in Illinois? It's a sensitive subject. Yeah. yeah. Um, a long drought. So, <laughs> so getting to hunt there during the prime time of the year and not, being doing what we do bow hunting so much it just makes it hard with the time we have because even if we get time during a good part of the year it's three days or two days and that's just really hard to do with a bow in your hand yeah because you might see something i've seen a ton of big deer but at 100 yards that doesn't really do you a lot of good yeah so i think i would agree with luke on somewhere in the midwest or being able to hunt elk in the rut yeah. in september yeah, my dad's done that a few times. Yeah. So I think those two are definitely the top of my list. Gotcha. Um, so uh, Illinois, um, you have some land in Illinois that um, you focus uh, your attention there for hunting. Do you have trail cameras there that are sending you images throughout season? Uh, or do you have somebody there that's, you know, helping you with your land? And I do. I have some. I don't have any of the trail cameras that send me stuff. Yeah. I would like to do that. But um I haven't done that yet, but I do have some people there that that overlook or look over the land and check up on it. Yeah. And, uh, uh, so, so they they are sending you pictures of deer. Do you have some big deer out there? They are absolutely. Yeah. Really big deer. You just haven't gotten one yet. This they taunt me from afar. Yeah. Um. So here's a question uh, that I've wanted to ask you guys, and I just I, I forget uh, normally when the three of us are together. How many people are on your football team, first off? That's the first part of the question. How many people are on the Carolina Panthers team? There's 53 guys in the active roster. 53 guys. And then there's 10 guys on the practice squad, so then it's six. It's right around 63, and then there'll be a couple extra for injured reserve. So you can have 63 to 70-ish. Yeah. Um, so there's – let's just call it 70. Um, so you have, I mean, ton of ton of like-minded guys to be – uh, friends with while you're traveling and playing ball and stuff. Did you guys, I know you guys are best buds. Uh, is that, is the reason that you guys have become so close out of such a large group? Is it, uh, because of hunting? Yeah, I would say so. That's, that's kind of what got us 
into a friendship. Yeah. I think that and when I, my rookie year was 2012. Yeah. And Colin's um, rookie year was 2011, but his first year with Carolina was 2012. Okay. He got traded here right after training camp. And, you know, the NFL has a lot of turnover. Guys come and go. Um, a lot of new faces. And a lot of times you'll meet a guy for a year or two and then he's gone. But, you know, Colin and I, we've both been fortunate enough to be in the same spot for for eight years so you just kind of get to know each other and spend a lot of time around each other you start to have conversations and and then it kind of just evolved from there yeah i would say our our um post practice and post meeting um film sessions on uh deer outfitting websites got us a lot closer yeah (laughs) just dreaming just wasting time on stuff we shouldn't (laughs) be wasting time all right um so why hunting I mean, you guys, uh, I mean, I know a lot of football players uh, in their off time play golf and... and uh, I'm terrible at golf, so that's probably why I don't is play Is that golf. it? <laughs> you, I mean, it's that easy, huh? You're just bad at golf. But what what is it about hunting that uh, you like so much that, uh, you know, your off time and, and your, your kind of hobby time is just hunting? Uh, and I know you guys fish some too, but... Uh, I think for whatever reason, I've always just loved to hunt. I didn't really come from a hunting family. I was lucky enough to where I was put in a position where I could if I wanted to, but it's not like my dad was a huge hunter. He enabled me to do what I wanted to do, but I've always just loved it. And I think it's, it's, it's tough. And that's why I like to bow hunt and it's something you can practice on and work on. And it's a year long process. And I really enjoy the whole process of it as well. Not just going out and shooting an animal, but the process of setting a stands up, watching the deer going through the spring after they shed their antlers and starting to grow. And it's so just a season long event, like a cycle. And it's just something, something's ever changing and something you can always work on and get better at. Yeah. And it's a challenge. And it is like a year long pursuit. You know, there's, there's always something to be. Mm-hmm. And just when you think you figure it out, you make a bad shot and it'll send you back to square one. And well, you can to, do everything right. Like right. that, like when you were in Illinois last time, you did everything right that last day. Yeah. And the deer just, they just don't do it. They'll do something the same, the same way five or six times in a row. And then the one time you're sitting there, they do something different. Yeah. yeah. It's never the same. It's, each hunt is, is always different yeah. from the last. Um, so Luke, why don't you go ahead and answer that same question? Why, why hunting over other hobbies we started bird hunting when i was younger my dad loved loved to bird hunt we had a we had a black lab and she was a great bird dog and <clears throat> the thing that i always enjoyed about hunting was you always did it with people so when i grew up it was my dad and my and my older brother and my younger brother and so it was always an opportunity for us to get together and you always looked forward to it and then as time progressed you start you know going on trips and that's the thing that I think is the coolest part about hunting is what the trips I've been on. I've been all over the place. We've been to Texas. We've hunted Ohio, Kentucky, Indiana. Um, you know, we went to Illinois or I'm sorry, we went to Africa last year. You get to see a whole bunch of different landscapes and cultures in areas of the world through hunting. And a lot of times it's in really pretty areas. You know, Africa is beautiful. You know, I, there's something special about the Midwest with the fields and in the farmland and, it's, there's something really neat about it once once it starts to cool off and the snow starts to fall. That's the half the battle for me is I just love to be out there and be a part of it in the anticipation of looking forward to a trip to me is is awesome. Yeah. So once I get to wherever I'm going, obviously, you know, I want I want it to be successful, but I think it's successful from 
the beginning as long as you go on with the right people and you pick a great spot I think you know we went to Texas like Colin said and I I hit a deer and, and we just we didn't get a good blood trail we never found it but I had a great time yeah and that's really the thing that is most important to me is an opportunity to kind of disconnect and get away and just enjoy being around the people you're with yeah um, let me hit, touch on, you brought up a good yeah. point because I, I grew up in a small town, a kind of slow paced lifestyle. And I think in what we do from an everyday grind, it's, it, it is a chance to go in some of the rural parts. And it brings me back to how I grew up and everything slows down. You get to get away and really just enjoy life. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's, uh, it's something to look forward to in between each hunt. You, know? you just don't know where who you're going to run into, who you're going to meet. It just provides you an opportunity to, to interact with people that are very like-minded. You know, yeah. we went out to Montana a couple years ago, and we stayed in a small town called White Sulphur Springs, and it was just we just had a good time. We we, we shot prairie dogs, and that was a blast. But the the most fun it was my dad, my brother, and I, and we went to the small town diners, and there was a really good pizza restaurant. And, um, we stayed in a little hotel that had like this, uh, this hot tub attached to it. And we sat down, we met these guys from Canada that were on a U.S. cross country bike motorcycle trip. And, you know, you never, when, when are you ever going to go out to Montana to White Sulphur Springs other than to go, you know, be outside. And I think that's the best part for me is you never know who you're going to meet. You never know what you're going to experience. And it's in a lot of really beautiful areas. Yeah, for sure. So, um, you kind of touched on something a minute ago um, about just being there and, and um, being in the outdoors. Um, I have my own uh, answer for this one, um, but I'd like to hear what you guys think about this question. Uh, so uh, hypothetically, um, if you could hunt a um, maybe kind of a, a trophy animal or a very large uh, white-tailed deer um, in a uh, kind of a, I don't know, um, a less than desirable location, uh, that didn't have a whole lot to offer in terms of just like different things that you'd see while you're there and different terrain and, and things like that. Or, uh, you could hunt smaller white tailed deer in just a fantastically beautiful spot. Uh, do you pick the spot or do you pick the deer? I would pick the deer and not just, <laughs> well, and not just because it's a big deer, yeah. but to for everything to come together and to be able to harvest an animal that's that's so, it's so hard to do yeah and so i think like i said earlier it's not just the fact that you kill a big deer it's the fact that you're able to figure out and kind of outsmart him and get it done yeah because i think it's such a there's a huge jump in in being able to harvest 170 inch deer and 140 inch deer yeah. 140 inch deer is a big deer but there's a reason that that he made it to 170. Right. And yeah. so that would, I would love to go see a beautiful place, but. That I'll, makes sense. I've never really thought about it like that, about uh, the difference in, in the challenge of the animal itself once they start getting to that uh, older, freakishly large size, because it doesn't happen by accident. And it's a pretty smart animal at that point. Uh, what about you, Luke? Are you, are you there for, for uh, do you pick, would you pick a hunt over the location or? Uh, would you pick it over the, uh, you know, kind of the, the animal you're after? I think for me, it just kind of depends. I think the animal that you're after is, I think, plays a big part in it. And yep. I think for the most part, 
when you when you're looking for something that's bigger, you, you don't you can't be as you have to be more selective on where you go. You have to go to where the animal is. Yep. And sometimes if that's what you're after, you just have to pick the spot where they're at. Yep. You don't get to pick, oh, I want it to be in the mountains. I want to stay at a really pretty hotel. I want to stay here. I want to do this. I want to do that. It's, all right, where's the animal and how am I going to get to it? Yeah. And even if even if you know where it is, that's still the hardest part, especially with the bow. It's so hard to win. You got to hit the weather right. You got to hit wind right. You got to figure out, is he moving? Is it post rut? Is it in the rut? There's just so much to look at. And I think that's the challenge with every hunt, especially for bigger animals, because the, as as they as they age, they obviously get bigger, and as they age, they they become smarter. They see stuff, they've smelled more people, um, and they've had more times in the woods to figure out what is what is safe and what is, what isn't safe. Yeah. So I think that's the game. I think the hunt aspect of it is the best part for me. It's how can I put myself in a position to win over the animal in his in his natural environment. Yeah. So my just to give you my answer on that one has always been a little bit different. Um, you know, somebody could ask, ask me to go on an Illinois whitetail hunt for just a, a, you know, freakishly large, um, whitetail like you guys have, you know, near your property, Colin, or a blacktail hunt in Northern California. Um, obviously an animal that not, not people have, people don't really have on their bucket list, you know, a smaller blacktail, but, yeah. but in just a, like a really beautiful area for some reason, I'm the, I, I, I choose the area every time. I think, I think for us, the one thing with like a big whitetail is that Colin's been to Illinois a ton of times and I've been there. I haven't been there as much as Colin has, but we haven't won yet. Yeah. And yeah. I think I that's that. what keeps yeah, pulling yeah. you back is, is it's a game. That's the part that I think I enjoy the most. in in, in addition to other things is that the animals won the last few times. So I think once you, you, you can win, <laughs> I think then you can start to explore a little more. Yeah. I think, I think, those deer out in uh, Hawaii, the coos deer, little small white-tailed strand, yep. they're, that would be a sick hunt. Yep. It'd be really cool. They're not real big. They're smaller, but I think it'd be a lot of fun. They have those. Uh, they have a lot of coos deer in Texas, and yeah. and that is one of one of my top bucket list yeah, I animals. I think they're on, I'm going to say Lanai. Yeah. And I think that'd be a sweet a sweet trip. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it just occurred to me while you were giving your answer that um, the difference between the way I think about things and two professional athletes think about things. It's a competitive thing. It's you versus, uh, it's you wanting to outsmart the animal Colin and keep going until you, you outsmart, uh, just one of those really old smart bucks. And, uh, while I'm thinking about going and frolicking in the mountains, you guys are thinking about winning, you know, outsmarting something. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of what Colin was talking about in the beginning was the process. So I think with whitetail, in addition, in, in separation from other animals, if you can, you know, you have a, a really nice farm, if you can present an environment for a whitetail and then you can track it based on trail cameras and you can see a deer age, then you set stands based on where they've been, you know, before the season, then your whole scouting phase is done. And then you get into the stand based on wind. And if you're looking at moon and then you get the deer after yep. you've seen the deer for three or four years growing, you've passed on it. That I think is the most the most entertaining part of the whole thing is the process of doing it. Yeah. Like Colin said, it's a whole year thing. You come out, shoot your bow every day. You're tracking this deer. You're providing an environment where it feels safe and comfortable. You're doing it, you know, on your farm all by yourself. I think that's when you get the most gratification. Gotcha. Um, so, um, so there is a, 
um, not to put you guys on the spot here, um, but one of our uh, contributors, a guy named Stephen West, um, has a show called West of Texas. Pretty incredible show. And uh, he's one of the only shows out there that really um, highlights hunting as an adventure, not just there to, to, to kill something. You know, it's the start to finish thing that you guys are talking about. And he shows hunting in kind of a long form um, uh, documentary way. Um, where you get to see the successes, the failures, the travel, the food, uh, just the real experience of it. Um, and Stephen hunts uh, coos deer um, in uh, the Chinati Mountains, which is like just this breathtaking place. Uh, and they also have um, some stud awdad. Um, so not to put you guys on the spot, but um, that's something that we should probably line up uh, to hunt with Stephen um, sometime later in 2021, if he's got availability for, uh, a coos deer, um, and, and odd dad hunt that he, he, he shot a coos deer over there, uh, this year. That's probably the biggest one I've ever seen. Um, and it was, you know, just a cave dweller, just a really cool old wily buck that he happened to just get the shot on. Uh, so it's a straight up adventure hunt. Um, so no pressure to, to yay or nay it right now, but, um, I probably just, uh, infiltrated your thoughts for the next, uh, 30 days on how to make that one happen. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I know when I, I know when I throw ideas at you guys, sometimes you guys, uh, at least the hunts that you guys have been able to go on, um, the, I can see the, the wheels start spinning. Well, that's how the Africa hunt went. We were down there shooting and you said, you guys want to go to Africa? And we said, yeah. And you thought it, we were joking. We're like, no. We're like, we're, we're in, we're 100% in. You're like, we're in. all right, I guess these guys are serious. Yeah. And that, that trip grew. Uh, that was a really fun trip. That trip started out as, uh, the three of us just talking about going. Um, and then, uh, John Hill and, um, Jason Jeter and Steven Skaggs and, and, uh, those guys jumped on. And then, um, you called and you said, Hey, uh, do we have room for, uh, anybody else. And this is Luke calling saying, Hey, do we have room for anybody else? And I said, yeah. And, um, he goes, cool. Cause I'm going to invite my mom, my dad, <laughs> my two brothers and, uh, my girlfriend. I was like, yeah, well, we'll make room. And, and then Colin, you brought big Kev, uh, your yeah. dad, who's just a stellar human being. And, uh, it was, it was so much fun getting to hang out with, uh, with your families, just Luke being around your mom and your dad. Uh, it was easy to see why, Everybody calls you the world's nicest guy because yeah, they were just that. fantastic. And your brothers, um, I got more time to uh, to spend with um, with John than Henry. Um, your your brother John and I got quite a bit of time to talk, and and uh, he's just such an awesome dude. He loves to hunt. Yeah, he's just so stoked about hunting. Yeah. I mean, I think he's more obsessed about it than all three of us put together. Well, he just doesn't have as much time to do it as even you know, we don't have a lot of time to do it but we still have more time than he does yeah so when he had an opportunity to get over there and kind of get away from work and relax i think he was he was in heaven so these hunts like the africa hunt when we plan it along you know a ways out the way we did it's kind of a blessing and a curse you can you can make sure every every um i is dotted and every t is crossed for a big trip like that there's a lot of moving parts you're getting guns in and out of the country colin you brought your bow too um you know a lot of people uh, a lot of permits, things like that. But, um, also when you plan a hunt that far in advance, it kind of just takes over your day to day, uh, thoughts about, you know, gear prep and, 
um, just researching the area and the animals and stuff like that. Um, so, um, I know that, I know that you guys got over there and, and I know y'all had a good time. Uh, we talked about that, but, um, what would you say, uh, would you say it was different than you expected it to be hunting in Africa? Um, and what was your favorite part, Colin? Um, I would definitely different than I thought. I really didn't know what to expect because all I'd ever really seen was, was on TV and read up on it a little bit. But, um, what I loved about it was the ability to see so many different animals. I'd never really been on a hunt like that where you can go for one thing and you don't, you might see 10 different species or not even really be after a blessed buck. And then a kudu walks out. So there's just such a, such a vast, um, terrain I thought was really cool. There's a lot of different, different things that, um, that made it really enjoyable. I really enjoyed being with my dad. Yeah. Never really been able to spend that much time with him. And he had a birthday while we were there. He did. Which was really cool. Um, and I know he, uh, he was excited about it being his birthday and then you surprised him and, and, uh, you said, um, he wasn't really, I don't think, you know, he was more there to hang out with you absolutely, and, and just experience Africa with you. Um, uh, but you convinced him to hunt a wildebeest. Um, and I think he, successfully hunted a wildebeest on his birthday didn't he He did yeah. yeah and i'm really glad he did and i think he really really enjoyed it and i think it might have spurred getting him into hunting yeah now he's been really uh he's all in now on the bow that's awesome <laughs> that's awesome luke what about you what was was africa what you thought it would be um and what would you say kind of your favorite uh part of that hunt was well i think the th- you know when you think of africa you think of wide open and the Sahara and what you saw, you know, what I, when I was a little kid, you watch Lion King. That's what you think it's going to be. Yeah. And we were in a very different area. We were down in South Africa. We flew in the Alistair, which is like the very bottom southeastern tip of Africa. So when we got down there, it was a lot of small trees, a lot of rolling hills and some mountains. And the spot and stalk aspect of it was really cool. You'd go up on these high areas and glass for animals. You'd find your animal. You'd hit the wind. And then you'd go after it. And the first stock that we did was for hartebeest. And that animal to me was super cool. I'd never seen one in person before, but they had one in the lodge. And I was like, that thing's super cool. And we went up on the side of this mountain and we were glassing down for him. We found one and we started to go after it. And we were probably 800 yards away from it. And you could only see it once we started going after it. You could only see a little, you could only see it every once in a while. Yeah. So you couldn't really tell how big it was, but I thought it was huge because I'd never seen one before. And I looked at it in my binoculars. I'm like, that's a stud. And we went on this hour and a half stalk through these big trees and through these acacia plants with the thorns. And we were going through creek beds and back up and back down. And um, then we'd have to sit and kind of wait for the animals to walk off. And we'd go back after them again. And then we got it to about 100 yards. And and, um, my PH Scott's like, all right, get ready. And so my heart starts beating. As we're going on the thing, I'm getting super excited. I'm like, this is going to be my first animal in Africa. And we get up to it, and he sets his sticks up. And then it's and then it pops his head out and Scott puts his binoculars on it and he said it's too small, so it was like the ultimate high <laughs> meets like the ultimate low of like I just worked my butt off going down this mountain through a creek bed back up this other mountain and back down to it, but still cool because it, it was, was great. Your, yeah, still totally, cool. It was your first hike yeah, in Africa. I totally enjoyed it. It was awesome. Yeah. Um, so um, part of uh, you know what we do um, and what we get excited for on these hunts is planning our gear. 
Um, and part of what we um, do at Field Ethos, obviously, is represent companies that that make quality gear. Um, and so this is a bit of a unscripted uh, put you um, kind of put you on the hot seat for a company that did send us some gear uh, for this trip. And um, it's kind of an interesting story, but Loophole uh, sent us a couple of VX5s. Um, I think one of you, both you guys might have had a VX6 on that trip as well. Um, we asked for a couple VX sixes and, 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 uh, Sean Skipper at Leupold, who's a just awesome dude. Um, he said, uh, no, I'm going to send you guys the new VX fives. I want you guys to test those out. Um, and you guys were, you, before we went, you guys asked for Leupold scopes. Um, and for some reason I drank the Kool-Aid a long time ago and, and felt like I had to do everything with the, uh, German, German optics, but, um, I hadn't really messed with loophole scopes in a while. Um, and we got three VX fives, uh, in and mounted those and took those. Um, so first off, talk about why you specifically requested, uh, loophole for that hunt. Why? I mean, I asked you guys a while back, um, why you liked loophole and, and, um, I do kind of remember part of the answer, but explain why you guys asked for loophole scopes and then, uh, tell which one of you guys was it that dropped your rifle on the scope? That was you, Colin. Yeah, it was me. Yeah. So, um, I guess maybe start off by telling us why you wanted to use their scopes as opposed to something else. And then what you did to your scope while we were there. Yeah. So I've had several different scopes, um, growing up on several different rifles and I tend to always go back to loophole. I just think they have the best quality, um, definitely for the price. And they're just a great glass. Late, You've been using them forever? I have, yes. Yeah. I've um, got them on everything from a muzzle loader. I love their custom dial system. I think it makes it really simple, and it works really well. Yeah. Um, and just to prove a point, when I shot that sable, we hiked up on this ridge, and I made the shot, and we were climbing up to pose for the photo. My sling breaks. And my gun falls and crashes down and hits the rock. And get up, and I forget that my sling was broken again just out of habit, just to re-sling the gun, and I do the same thing again. And it smacks the scope again right in the same spot. And it's still got a pretty big ding on the turret. And went straight from there and shot at a target at 100 yards and was dead on. Dead on. It didn't even move any at all. So, uh, for the record, um, loophole certainly did not ask us to talk about them, but they were nice enough to send us the scopes. So I figured we'd be nice enough to repay the favor and, and, uh, at least talk about loophole and, and what we think about them. Luke, um, I know that, you know, uh, I do know that you're not, neither one of you guys only hunt with loophole scopes. Um, but when it was time to get some new scopes, you asked for a loophole too. Um, is that just because you've been using them forever? Uh, yeah. My, so when I was growing up, the only thing we had on our rifles was loophole. And I think that's kind of the reason my dad always had them on him was because what Colin said, he had tried a bunch of different ones and he always came back to loophole. Yeah. They work, they're consistent, they're reliable. And now with the new technology, you have them like what Colin said with that CDS, it's super easy. You go online, you plug in your your ballistics you plug in where you're going to hunt they send you a dial it's super easy to install and you spin your turret to whatever you want and you're good yeah but i think that's the thing is my my dad always had them and 
I trust a lot of what my dad does. And if, if, if he uses it and, and he loves it, then, then I'm going to be just the same way. Yeah. And I, you know, like I said, I, I grew up hunting with loophole too. Like the gold standard when I was uh, a kid was a VX three loophole. If you had a loophole, very X three, you were the deal. Yeah. Um, and v- then VX two was pretty strong too. VX two was pretty <laughs> strong. Yeah. They were all good. Um, uh, but, but the, the old dogs had the VX threes, like the nice ones, you know? And so that's what I always wanted. And then, um, I, I, I fell in with these, uh, retired guys, much like Luke, uh, except they were all 65 to 75 and, um, and they were all doing gardening too. They were doing gardening too. Uh, but they got me to drink the European scope Kool-Aid. And so I went that route for a while. Um, but, uh, in the first loophole that I, that I got, um, in like the last decade was that VX five and, um, they're great. It's just an awesome scope, but um, they they were nice enough to send them to us, so I figured we'd be nice enough to talk about what we thought of them. And uh, I I you know I'm very impressed with it. So Skipper, we appreciate the scopes. Um, thank you for uh, for sending them to us. And um, if you need us to try to break uh, more high end loopholes in the future, um, make sure you just send them to us. And uh, um, at least one of the three of us. Um, Colin will try to break your scope. Um, so, uh, and there ends our loophole plug that they did not ask us for. Um, so, all right, we'll go ahead and wrap this thing up. I appreciate you guys, um, taking the time to sit down and talk. Um, maybe last, uh, last question. Um, it, well, two questions, cause I want to talk about the nonprofit thing. Um, last question, um, bucket list anywhere in the world, any species, um, and it has to be out of the United States because I know you guys are I know you guys are hard up for a, a giant whitetail. Um, so out of the United States, bucket list hunt. What is it, Colin? Um, does Canada count for whitetail? Yeah, yeah, you wanna, <laughs> yeah, you could do that. Um, it's about not, a, not North America then. You not North off, America. Off, North America. I would love to do Cape Buffalo. Cape Buffalo. Okay. Um, any wild specific, Africa. Wild Africa. Cape Buffalo. Maybe. Mozambique or Zambia or something like that. Yeah. Well, not to make you jealous, but I'm doing Zambia in uh, October. So you're more than welcome to come. Watch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you're more than welcome to come. Just film it. Um, Luke, how about you? Has I think be- that's the same thing. Cape B- Buffalo? Buffalo, yeah. Yeah. I've never, when we went to Africa, I didn't see one. Yeah. And that was one, it wasn't on my list of animals to um, go after, but I wanted to see one. I wanted to see the sheer size of them. And yeah. that's what everybody talks about is how big they are. They look big on TV. They look big in pictures, but once you get up close to them, you're, you, you'd be amazed about how big they are. And to me, that's most most of the time when you hunt, you're you're pretty safe. If you're hunting for whitetail, you don't have to worry about it. A lot of stuff in North America can be pretty safe. When you're going after a Cape buffalo, it's it's not the same. Yeah, you know, it's a dangerous thing. You have to make sure you know what you're doing. You have to practice a lot. You can go whitetail hunt if you don't practice at all, and you might have luck, but you're gonna be safe. Yeah. But if you go after one of those and you're not practicing and you're not ready to go, you can find yourself in trouble. So I think that's the ultimate game. But I have to make sure that I got myself ready, ready to go because yeah, it can be serious. Absolutely. Quick. I remember uh, before we went uh, to Africa, I had just come back and um, hit a hunt in Cape Buffalo. And um, and you guys, uh, I tried to convince you guys to shoot my buffalo rifle. And at first you didn't want to do it. It was 458 lot. Uh, and then you saw me shoot it a couple times. You realized... I'm half your size. And if I can shoot it, you guys can shoot it. Would it, was it worse? Was it worse than, than what you thought it was going to be the recoil of the 458, the Buffalo rifle? 
I mean, it was pretty intense. I'm still not sure why Luke made me go first. <laughs> I had to make sure I figured out how to shoot. Because he's way. the smartest one. <laughs> That's yeah, for sure. He made you go first. All right. So um, last question. Uh, so when we do podcasts with people, um, we uh, Field Ethos makes a donation to uh, the nonprofit um, conservation group or um, hunter education group of their choice. Uh, so Colin will make a donation in your name to a nonprofit uh, for you. You pick the nonprofit and tell us why. Um, Christian Outdoor Alliance. I've worked with them for several, several years now. Uh, Mike and Amy Marbach do a great job. They, their mission is to bring kids to the outdoors. Um, and they, they host several summer camps each year on the Llano River and different places in Texas. And they typically surprise the kid at the end of the hunt or at the end of the trip with a hunt and they get to harvest an animal and they go through the hunter safety course and learn a lot about the outdoors and hunting and doing it the right way and then there's always a message um of christ at the end of everything so i think they just do a great job and they they just bring a lot of kids to the outdoors and and i really respect what they do and i'm glad to be working with them yeah awesome uh, so Christian Outdoor Alliance, uh, we will be um, sending you guys uh, a donation shortly, uh, courtesy of Colin Jones. Um, Luke, uh, who are you going to use as your conservation group? I'm going to do the same thing that, that Colin did, Christian Outdoor Alliance. That's where it was my first hunting trip in Texas was with those guys. Yep. We went down there on a ranch, Callahan Ranch, and it was awesome. I had a great time. Um, but I think the reason is you know, Colin has talked about kids and getting kids in the outdoors and teaching them and teaching them how to do it the right way. And I just think of all the fun times I've had being outside and hunting and fishing and how it's molded me in the memories I have in the ability I've done it with my family and my dad and my brothers and my friends. I think the more kids that have the opportunity to witness the outdoors and be in the outdoors, um, the better off we'll be because I've, I've, I don't think I'd be the same person if I didn't have the same opportunities that I did when I was a little kid with my dad and my parents, um, to be outside. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, so, um, I was explaining, uh, to somebody the other day, we were talking about, um, non hunters and anti hunters and, and, um, you know, the, the person was talking about, they think we need to be spending a lot more time, uh, trying to educate anti hunters on what we do. And while I do think that is important, I think, um, a lot of times the better investment is educating new hunters. Um, it's a whole lot easier to educate a new hunter and, um, take a child hunting, uh, and turn that, that child into a person who loves the outdoors and, and, uh, create a future conservationist. Uh, it's a lot easier to do that than it is to take an anti hunter, um, a vegan or whatever, and try to convince them that what we're doing is, is good for conservation and good for the outdoors and good for young people. So, um, sounds like Christian outdoor Alliance is, uh, the perfect group to, uh, partner with for people that want to support new hunters and, and, um, fielding the next generation of conservationists. So that's awesome. I'm going to end with this. Um, so, um, Luke, uh, you, um, need to get a job. So, um, I figured I'd help you, uh, build your resume and then identify, identify a good career choice. Um, so I came up with, uh, with some, uh, facts about you and then I picked two career paths for you. Um, so, uh, first one, um, Luke can tackle difficult tasks and large objects. All right. So that's, uh, the first one. Um, you're always nice, so you are customer service oriented. 
You're great with kids. At least uh, you've been great with my kids when you've come over. Uh, so you're great with kids. Um, even when uh, my daughter asked if you played for the Georgia Bulldogs, because uh, she only thinks that's that's the only that's real. Only t- if Georgia Bulldog fans. I know quite a few of them, and they only think the only team in the that's world the only is team the Georgia that exists. Bulldogs. That's the only team that exists. And she, when you came in the house. Uh, and I told her you're a football player. The first thing she asked was, well, "Georgia didn't even recruit me, so I'm, I'm happy that somebody wanted me at Georgia." That's right. <laughs> they, they said I wasn't good enough. Yeah. So my daughter's named after the Georgia Bulldogs. Her name's Georgia, so that's why she naturally asked you if you're a bulldog. Oh, I respect that. I know a lot of Thomas Davis was a huge Georgia Bulldog fan, and he's been a Georgia Bulldog fan since the day he walked in that place, and he would live and die on the Georgia Bulldogs. Yep. So kind of jealous. They're fanatics. My wife's a Georgia Bulldog. I think they're all like that. Yeah, it's terrible. Um, so great with kids, even when they ask if you play for a different team. Um, and so with your ability to tackle, uh, large objects, always nice, uh, and great with kids. Uh, Jay and I talked about it. You can either be a zookeeper or an elementary school PE teacher. Um, you're going to take a pay cut either way. Um, I don't have to go back to school though. Yeah. Well, but zookeeper, I can't just walk in there and be a zookeeper. No, I mean, you're not like a biologist. You're like, you're the one that if a gorilla gets out of the enclosure, you got to deal with it. I'm going to lose that fight every time. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. Uh, Colin, Colin, you already have a job. uh, So good luck this season. And um, we'll be, uh, we'll be, (laughs) we'll be rooting for you. Maybe we'll sit next to Luke and, uh, and cheer you on. But, um, thank you for letting us, uh, uh, come over here and do this. And, uh, thanks to your wife for letting us set up all this stuff all over your kitchen table. Uh, Brianna, thank you very much for letting us do that. And, um, we, uh, look forward to talking with you guys and more importantly, hunting with you guys, uh, later this year. So thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for listening to the field ethos podcast. Subscribe for updates on all future episodes. You can follow us on social at field ethos journal. And don't forget to visit fieldethos.com for stories and interviews from the leading voices in the outdoor community.